Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Boy, big news for Georgia yesterday. Another great tight end brought into the fold, and uh, this is certainly one that got a lot of attention from UGA fans because it kind of comes on the heels of another piece of good news for Georgia in that 2024 class. This week with Nye Carr, the wide receiver, made his announcement. Carr, of course, goes to Cock County High School, and you know one of the things that was sort of immediately connected to the Carr news was – Hey, maybe that helps George with Landon Thomas to tie it in. And Carr, we even talked about this on yesterday's show for during Around the Doghouse. You know, Carr was on social media kind of making that, you know, push for, for, for Thomas to commit. Carr had sort of projected July 11th being the date when that might happen. We said there was no real confirmation of what that date might mean. And come to find out, we didn't even have to wait until the 11th to get Landon Thomas in the fold. He makes his pledge to a Georgia yesterday. I'll show you on the screen if you're watching on video how he put it out there on social media. And I really like this edit. I like the font there for the word committed. I mean, I never get tired of seeing the national championship trophy and this kind of stuff. That's good to see. Uh, another tight end at Georgia maybe wearing that number zero. Another big O on the way for the uh, dogs at the tight end spot. You don't mind that either. Harry Dog and Ugga on that too. That's a sharp looking at it. A pretty good celebration for uh, Landon Thomas there committing to UGA. And speaking of celebrations, not to be outdone by that was the stuff of Todd Hartley yesterday too, the Georgia tight ends coach. And if anybody has earned the right to take a bow for the work that he's been doing, I mean, keep in mind here. Hartley's success in recruiting and all the five stars and elite level prospects that he brings in is even made more remarkable given the fact that the tight end position is a position it's not like offensive line or defensive back or something like that well you're recruiting a huge number of players each and every year for the most part you're going after maybe one or two guys you know the the number of guys you're even targeting is relatively small and the fact that Hartley keeps you know hitting on these dudes makes it all the more impressive he had a great gift celebration on social media yesterday once again for the video folks i'll show this to you it's kind of the aaron Rodgers championship belt type deal and you know what makes that seem more fun we can show that one more time we can uh, have a little bit more fun with that what makes that even uh better to uh understand is is that thomas and nicar play for cockwood county cockwood county is the packers so when uh, hartley says go pat go there with his uh, aaron Rodgers style celebration that's a little bit of a nod and homage to the fact that uh, thomas plays down there in moultrie for the packers and they got that cool packers uh, name on the side of those helmets down there in Conquit County. So that's a little bit of an homage to the high school team for uh, Landon Thomas and celebration. And uh, Hartley was also having some fun yesterday, too. I feel like we've kind of shown all these uh, photos when they've come out. Uh, this is the time of year in which there's always a lot of fellowship going on with the position coaches having their players you know at the house for the pool party or the cookout whatever it is and you want like photographic evidence for how impressive the tight end room is for georgia uh hartley showed that to you with kind of all these guys you know there at the same time having a good time and obviously when you really look at all that talent at the same place you just left to acknowledge just how impressive it all is and hartley's tweet says today was a good day ice cube voice of course for our tight end tough family for the present and the future he says tight end tough's more than just a saying it's a feeling it's a connection it's truly a selfless relationship that promotes a brotherhood that will last a lifetime and uh, that's great to see hartley's got his own family there and his tight end tough family there too and 
we said yesterday that some of this kind of stuff, you know, it kind of feels like coach speak sometimes. Maybe it comes across a little bit corny to, to certain people at certain points, but I don't think that it should, that you do create that special bond from time to time. It is not easy to get all these talented players to want to play together, to be in the same room together. But when they see the success that each one is either having or has the potential to have, you know, it becomes its own sense of validation of, hey, just by even being in this group, just by even being, you know, at that, you know, in this sort of space in the same time these other great tight ends it sort of says something about me as a tight end about how good I can be if you're one of those guys and I think it's just really interesting how the the success that George is having is seemingly propelling it to even more success here uh you know one of the guys that's in that picture that you just saw there is obviously Brock Bowers who had great success for Georgia last season one of the most prolific pass catchers that Georgia's had in a good number of years for any position wide receiver tight end whatever else the fact that he's a tight end makes it all the more interesting and you have to assume that there are people who are in that room because of the success that Bowers had in fact we know uh, Oscar Delp's an example of that Uh, we've heard Delp say it a good number of times is that when it came down to where I want to be to go to school, obviously Delp had a lot of family ties to the University of South Carolina. Shane Beamer, who is a good recruiter, put a lot of emphasis on trying to recruit Oscar Delp. But ultimately, Delp chose Georgia, even though the Georgia tight end room is more crowded. And, you know, even though the the path to success there may be a little bit more challenging because it's not as wide open as it would be at South Carolina. Ultimately, Delp said Georgia's the right place to, you know, for me. Todd Hartley's a big reason for that. But it's not just the promise of what this could be. I mean, and, and this is what's you know really important is that for a long time, Georgia was having to sell a vision when it comes to pass catching targets. And when it came to Eric Gilbert the first time around, you know, when Gilbert was a recruit coming out of uh, Marietta High School, you know, the idea of buying into that vision and trusting Georgia to deliver those numbers for him, that was just something that he didn't quite see the vision of he didn't quite believe in that vision you're led to believe because he chose lsu the first time around instead of coming to uga the fact that gilbert later later transferred to uga i think is an example of the fact that tight end position started to kind of show what it truly could be and all of a sudden now when you've got bowers having the kind of season kind of the season that he had the success that he enjoyed last season all of a sudden if you're oscar delp for the class of 2022 or if you're landon thomas the class of 2024 all of a sudden now it's not hey come here and we'll use you it's hey come here and you can be used exactly like we're already using tight ends you don't have to use your imagination you don't have to be sold on a vision you can be sold on tangible accomplishments taking place and that right now as much as anything explains why george is able to win with a tight end like thomas or a tight end like delp the way they did for the last recruiting cycle in fact delp told jeff Sintel basically that you want to know why Georgia's having so much success with tight ends right now? Why that tight end room standing around Todd Hartley during a pool party just looks so robust with guys like Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, and everybody else? Let the words of Oscar Delp, one of the tight ends in that room, be your guide for that. This is what he said about why he committed to UGA. I mean, it really just came down to where I'm going to get developed the most and uh, have the, the best opportunity to make a name for myself and really kind of get the ball and uh, I think that uh, Georgia has developed offensive line developed defense and every every week in practice I'm really gonna be uh, getting reps against the best players in the country and I think it's really gonna make me a better player in the long run and uh, kind of I love what they're doing with Bowers so far this year and uh, how they're gonna use us together in the future I think is really gonna be a cool thing I mean that's it right there that's a guy in uh, Oscar Delp I'm not saying he doesn't have an imagination I'm saying he doesn't have to use his imagination 
to figure out how he fits into a place like Georgia. Come here and do exactly what 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 Brock Bowers is doing. That's what Todd Harley is able to say. Hey, me and Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator, we are creating success for our tight ends, and you can be the next one on that. And Landon Thomas can be the next one after that, and on and on and on. The cycle can go as long as these guys stay there at UGA. Todd Harley deservedly taking a bow and enjoying some success here today, as he pro- you know certainly should. Now, here is what all this leads me to, though. I believe that the success that the Georgia tight end room has enjoyed in terms of on-field stuff and the recruiting stuff, maybe it's only just getting started. I do truly believe that better results are in store for the players here this upcoming season than a year ago, not just because Eric Gilbert's playing this year and he wasn't before, but a guy like Brock Bowers, who was such a breakthrough as a freshman. I mean, imagine what what could be in store for him here in the 2022 season there as well. I mean, I saw where uh, Trevor Sikkeman, you know that is? That's the guy from uh, a Pro Football Focus. I saw the other day where he said something effect of, had Bowers been in the most recent NFL draft, had he been in the 2022 NFL draft, he would have been the first tight end taken. And I maybe that is the case. I know not everybody loves Pro Football Focus, but maybe Sikkeman's right about that. Maybe that's how coveted Bowers would have been as a very young person in this most recent NFL draft if he was there. But let's just take that at face value here for a moment. You also very commonly see Eric Gilbert mentioned as like a, you know, a a high first round pick for this upcoming year because of how talented he is as a tight end. That's the kind of sort of future NFL talent that currently exists at Georgia. So the the robust statistics this room produced a year ago, my guess is my assumption is it's even better for this upcoming season. Take a guy like Bowers in particular here. I mean, we know that George in the entire history of the program has only had 1,000-yard receiver. It's our buddy Terrence Edwards. You have to go all the way back to 2002 even for that. So not only has George only had one of them, the one example of a 1,000-yard receiver is darn near 20 years ago. It's crazy to think about uh, you know, just how little of that kind of success that George has had. But I think it's time this year for that to change. And I think, it's, I think it needs to change with Brock Bowers. And we had our buddy Connor Riley on the show going back to what the 4th of July. And Connor thought that, hey, maybe even matching the numbers that Bowers had a year ago might be hard for Georgia to do. He projected and predicted that a guy like Kiaris Jackson might be UJ's leading receiver. Well, no disrespect to Kiaris and any other wide receivers, but that's not what needs to be the case for Georgia this year. Bowers proved himself to be a very special player last year, and taking the next step is, to me, the most appropriate thing here Bowers going on to kind of break through what has been a little bit of a glass ceiling for Georgia in terms of those thousand yard receivers and then after that well yeah maybe it's another tight end working along with him and Eric Gilbert or maybe that opens up doors for some of the wide receivers there as well but but that's what's fun to think about Georgia got another big recruiting win yesterday at the tight end spot it's Landon Thomas following the footsteps of Oscar Delp who came in for the class of 2022 and his reason for doing so saying because I see how Brock Bowers is being used well guess what we may see Brock Bowers used to an entirely different level this year even more production this year than he had a year ago truly one of the best pass catchers in the SEC regardless of position and maybe it's true for Eric Gilbert or maybe whatever else but the tight end success that George has enjoyed as we look to the horizon here for 2022 Maybe that success is only just getting started. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We also start at 945 uh, there on dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app. We're available all kinds of podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, the Google Player. There's a bunch of po- podcast things I haven't even heard of. We're on those there, too. I don't quite know how we get there, but somehow we do. The point is, it's very easy to listen to the show as a podcast. And if you're in the classic city there in Athens, you can catch us on the radio there, too, on Athens Sports Radio 960. The Ref, we air each and every day at noon, and I love being able to do that. And I am so thankful for our friends at Kroger who make it all possible. We could not do this show on a day like this if it wasn't for Kroger doing it for us. So that is really great. And I'm actually really excited to tell you that something we've told you about before, but haven't told you about in a while, doesn't seem like it. Well, now it's back. I'm talking about Kroger Chef Jr. Summer planning, summer fun with your kids. Kroger Chef Jr. should definitely be on your list. It's a guided kids cooking experience. It sort of teaches them how to cook, and they're kind of in there doing that uh, with the Kroger Chef as all of this is going down. And there are a couple of opportunities to take advantage of that here this month, including July 16th and July 30th at select Kroger locations. So it's a 30-minute class. Your kid is going to go and get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card, and a box, and a spatula, all for just $7 per child. That's a really good deal, right? And it's a veggie dip that's being made here this uh, month, which is kind of a fun thing there, too, eating healthy and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what I really find is when my kids are part of the food preparation, they're a little bit more excited to eat the food. So, you know, getting excited about eating a veggie dip or something like that, when they're the ones that are actually out there working on that, makes them more excited about eating it. So it's another reason to recommend Kroger Chef Jr., our buddy Michael Carvel, our producer, who's very accomplished in the kitchen. He agrees with that there as well. So all kinds of cool stuff. As I told you before, it's an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card, and a recipe box, and a spatula just for $7 a child. Now, check out the website. It's KrogerChefJr.com. Now, understand this. The word junior is spelled out. KrogerChefJr, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more details on that. We're going to get Jeff Sintel and do some UGA recruiting with uh, Jeff here in just a moment. I'm excited about that. There's actually a lot to cover with Jeff in addition to the Landon Thomas news from yesterday, a bunch of other stuff to do related to Jeff on the road, assisted by AAA with him. Before that, though, let me do a couple of things. First of all, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge response yesterday to our Dog Nation duck hunt tailgate to kick out the 2022 season there at the Home Depot backyard right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium before Georgia takes on Oregon. We knew we were going to have a heavy response to this. We got one yesterday. So let me do a couple of things here. Let me welcome in a couple of new sponsors to uh, our discussion here on this. Great to have our friends at 7-6 Apparel. We've, uh, I've been a personal fan of 7-6 Apparel for a long time uh, and now happy to have them on board with what we're doing here at Dog Nation. So congratulations to 7-6 Apparel for uh, hopping in here for us and very exciting for me to have them on board for all this there as well. You know you're going to have a great t-shirt for this event if you've got 7-6 Apparel in on that. They've done some really cool stuff for a long time. I've been a personal fan and now happy to have them here as a part of what we're doing at Dog Nation and our friends at Merriweather and Tharp too. And you know how much I love uh, the whole gang over there at Merriweather and Tharp. Had a great lunch yesterday with Bob Tharp. Had a nice Marlowe's Tavern lunch, if you must know. We had a good time there on that. And uh, really fun to have Merriweather and Tharp on board for this there as well. And it's these great sponsors who help us keep the price so low for what we're doing here. 
Kroger, R.S. Andrews, The Finished Long Drink, 7-6 Apparel, Merriweather and Tharp. For our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgates, noon to 3 p.m. there that day before kickoff. Kickoff, of course, being 3.30. So the tailgate itself goes from noon to 3. Could not be closer to the stadium. Right there in the Home Depot backyard next to Mercedes-Benz. The price gets you your food, your drink tickets, and your T-shirt. Uh, there's all kinds of fun uh, going on there with the event there, too. So please go to dognation.com. Just go to dognation.com right there at the top of the page. It could not be easier to find. This is one of the best logos we've ever had uh, for all of this. I'm really, really proud of all of that. And so the dognation duck hunt logo, easy to find when you go to dognation.com. Uh, get in there and get these. I'd say by next week, they're probably gone. Uh, could sell out over the weekend. So if you're, you know, dragging your feet at all jump in there go ahead and get them and be a part of this with us it's going to be one of the biggest events we've done certainly a great way to kick off the 2022 season that is on its way so dognation.com be a part of the dognation duck hunt big tailgate celebration to kick off the 2022 season and a big thanks for kroger rs andrews the finish long drink seven six apparel and merriweather and tharp your source for georgia divorce making all of that possible all right so before we get jeff's intel let us do a quick version around the doghouse. I'm running a little bit late today because <sighs> that's just what we do sometimes. So I'll see if I can pick up the pace here a little bit. Now, as we go around the doghouse, to the untrained ear, this is going to sound like I am doing something that I made fun of a little earlier this week. But hopefully this is not quite that. You know, earlier this week, we kind of mocked the idea of what's wrong with UGA recruiting. A question that seems to be asked virtually every summer only to be emphatically answered by the end of the recruiting cycle that nothing is wrong with UGA recruiting everything's just fine Georgia once again produces an elite class but somehow every summer there seems to be this sort of justified reason to sort of stop and pause and say hey are we sure everything's okay here are we sure that 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 Georgia's kind of humming along the way that it's supposed to and I'm going to give you an example of not a what's wrong with UGA recruiting topic that's not what this is but a hey, let's pay attention to this issue to see how it resolves itself. And I don't know that it's crisis level. I don't know that it's cause for panic. It's certainly not cause for alarm, but it's worth paying attention to a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Shomorad Umarov here for a moment. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, but certainly not doing it intentionally. A good-looking offensive line prospect uh, at a Denmark high school, kind of an up-and-coming program there in Forsyth County. Uh, Umaroff is going to make his announcement at 3 p.m. today. He's choosing from a list of four finalists. Let me show you these on the screen. Uh, Michigan State, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee. Uh, it seems like the internet sort of thinks that Umarov is not choosing Georgia, likely maybe choosing the Vols. That seems to be what, what, the, uh, uh, what the internet chatter is. That's not my news to break. I'm just kind of going from what I've sort, sort of seen people saying online there when it comes to that. And this kind of goes into a little bit of a, a you know a, a trend maybe lately where you had request mckeldry uh, decommit from georgia last week quickly committed to alabama there's been a little bit of chatter lately about tj shanahan a good-looking offensive line prospect out of the state of texas maybe trending towards texas a&m and it does sort of leave you with a little bit of a ooh, kind of interesting here georgia when it comes to its offensive line targets you know, maybe maybe not collecting all of those the way that you want to. And you're kind of reminded in the class of 2022 that it's sort of a late win for an Ernest Green. Kind of kept that offensive line group from certainly looking less than what you're used to seeing Georgia do at all positions. But at offensive line in particular, where Georgia's had so much success as of late, 
the Ernest Green commitment last year kind of prevented that offensive line grouping from the class of 2022 from certainly looking less than what you're used to from UGA. And all of a sudden now here in the class of 2023, you love Bo Hughley, and I think you certainly should. We've said before that if Hughley committed today, it'd be celebrated as gigantic news. The fact that he's been committed so long shouldn't lessen the value that Hughley seems to bring in. And there's obviously other big recruiting wins that uh, that Georgia has a chance to get. Uh, Monroe Freeling, for example, is, a, is an offensive lineman that Stacey Searles, the offensive line coach at UGA, seems to have a really good relationship with. Now, Freeling's also considering you know a lot of other programs there, too. But it seems like Georgia's maybe in a pretty good spot with him. But on the heels of an offensive lineman today, having Georgia in his top four, but maybe not committing to Georgia, at least if you kind of led to believe the internet chatter and you see other example of other targets kind of moving in the other direction. I do think offensive line recruiting gets into a little bit of a spotlight here in terms of what it might mean for the dogs going forward. And I'm going to ask Jeff Sintel here coming up in a moment of, you know, exactly what's going on there. Is there some reason for concern? You know, is, is there a thought here that maybe Georgia's missing on some of its top targets for its offensive line spots? And, you know, kind of how do you square all of this with everything else that's going on there with UGA recruiting? There's plenty of good things happening with Georgia, of course. But the offensive line is probably one of those spots where I do think there are some justified questions to be asked. So what do you say we ask those right now as we also celebrate some good news for Landon Thomas and really a couple of nice pieces of news for the 2024 class this week. So a lot of ground to cover. Let's do it all right now. We call it On the Road, assisted by AAA. As Jeff Sintel's been hot on the recruiting trail as of late, collecting all kinds of information, which you'll share with us right now here on Dog Nation Daily. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So we're bringing Jeff Sintel here. A lot to do with him, including we'll get to really good news the 2024 class here over the course of the last couple of days landon thomas yesterday nicar before that uh fun to think that georgia's planted such a flag down there in moultrie with both those guys but jeff if you don't mind as we go on the road assist by triple a let me bring you into the conversation i was just having a moment ago uh good looking offensive line prospect out of denmark high school gonna make a pledge today uh georgia among the finalists but probably not at least if i'm uh judging the internet as a guy here gonna win on that one with shamanu Muraf and you know you got the recent chatter about tj shanahan maybe kind of trending towards texas a&m the Raquez mckeldery decommitment uh, and then flipping to alabama pretty quickly on that um you know this sounds like a what's wrong with uj recruiting but that's not what i'm trying to do here but i do think offensive line is kind of a position in a little bit of a spotlight here in the class of 2023 just kind of based on some of the events of the last couple of cycles what do you make of the current state of uj's offensive line recruiting and i should also point out it had a very good story this week involving one of those um targets in kelton smith but what do you make of the current state of georgia's offensive line recruiting yeah uh, good morning everybody happy friday i think that's a good place to start because i mean what is it brandon the the, the further away georgia gets from the revered sam Pittman, the more People wonder if it's still going to be that same great wall of Georgia. You know, Matt Luke had his own way of doing things. I think Stacey Searles has his own unique way. Um, even when Pittman and Luke were, were bringing in five stars and all Americans left and right, some people would look at the on field play and they're like, how come Georgia can't get a third and one? How come Georgia can't get a fourth and one? I think that's the, the, the A1A expertise there for Stacey Searles. I think he's going to maybe his, 
maybe his best recruiting tactics or his best recruiting uh, facets on the gym here uh, are going to be what he does with his guys on the field. Um, he's got he's got the respect of everybody that that is in his room right now. But you know, for for Steeles, he's a guy that everybody's going to be looking at him. They're going to look at his track record. They're going to wonder, you know, are these connected? Are these related? Um, I think with Georgia, and this is why Brandon, I'm going to. Forgive me, I'm going to try to roll the volume up a little bit on a little bit of the concern here. Normally, I'm not a guy that rolls it down. But I think this 2023 cycle has to be important, Brandon. I think I think there are tackles out there. I still think both Ugly is going to wind up in the class. He, he kind of gives one of the most interesting back-and-forth, up-and-down interviews uh, around in the 2023 class. But it still sounds like he knows that Georgia is home. He has deep roots there. He just – he just told me recently that he's just ready to go ahead and sign, man, get all this talking season over with. But the reason why I say that this is so important, Brandon, is let's look back to the 2022 class. And I think Georgia, Georgia's room is so stacked and it's been so stacked by, by Luke of late and Pittman before him that, uh, that, in my opinion, that are not likely to see the field for at least two years. A lot of guys that were those three-star giants, Jacob Hood, six foot eight. A lot of guys that you're like, okay, those guys aren't likely to help Georgia in the 2022 season, except for maybe Ernest Green the third. I think Ernest Green the third is when we talk about all these freshmen, uh, hot shots and guys to watch. I think EG three, we saw him in spring, Brandon. He was already getting second team reps at like left tackle and yeah. right tackle. So he was the one that if you need to have a quick, quick guy to rise up the depth chart really quick. I think that's what Ernest Green, the third, gave Georgia in the last cycle. Now, this cycle heightens the awareness of Georgia's got to get a guy, a guy or two that can come in and play. You see what Georgia's doing. You see what Stacey Searles is doing. They're wanting to get a lot of these adaptable guard slash tackles, meaning that they're adept enough with great enough feet in order to play the tackle, but maybe it would be a really stinking good, really masher type all-around incredible guard. That's what we've seen a lot with some tweeners that maybe aren't six seven or whatever. I think that's what's important. I think Georgia, you, I think the ideal offensive line class for Georgia still feels like at least two tackles, maybe two two pure tackles. Uh, maybe a name like Monroe Freeling is a guy you think about. That young man from Charleston who visited over the summer. Um, you, you've got Bo Hughley there, and then you've got guys like uh, Kelson Smith. Uh, you know already what you got going on in that class. Uh, he's, he's, he's been back and forth about whether he wants to decide on July 22nd or not. And, you know, Kelton is a guy, everybody, I thought Rockwest McEldery was a fantastic prospect. He's way above his rankings. Um, but you've got a guy that they've targeted in state out of Carver Columbus High School. And this is a four star, not a three star like McEldery. And he's a top 260 level prospect. Uh, when you talk about offensive linemen and that, and that, wheelhouse right there. You're talking about one of the best offensive line prospects in the country. I think everybody's just going to want to see Georgia hit hit a couple of bigger names in the 2023 class to kind of just offset maybe all the great things that they didn't do with instant players and those top 100 guys in the 2022 class. I think that's why it's so important, Brandon, for Georgia to really get some name guys. And when I mean not just name guys that look good at star rankings, but Guys that you just look at and say, that guy can come in and play fast at Georgia. Yeah, I get the impression. You mentioned Monroe Freeling. Uh, I get the impression that Freeling might be this year's version of Ernest Green and that 
I mentioned this before you joined us of, hey, if you don't get Ernest Green for the class of 2022, that offensive line room looks you know, a little different. But you did get him. You won that recruiting battle. You know, you added the elite offensive lineman there relatively late in the process. And Freeling could be the example of that right now. My understanding is, I guess, Stacey Searles had a relationship with uh, Freeling prior to maybe coming to UGA, had been recruiting him before, so kind of, you know, sort of knows him pretty well. And I guess there's also some thought that Miami's in on Freeling right now, so there's you know clearly a you know a battle to be had there. But that's the example of the sort of top 100 level prospect that if Georgia brings in a Freeling to go along with a Bo Hughley, then all of a sudden the offensive line room it sort of still feels like you got the number of elite players that you need. But if Freeling were to go elsewhere, then all of a sudden it does put a larger spotlight on whether it's Shanahan or, or McEldry or whatever else the guys you didn't get right. Yeah, and I think we got to remember uh, also really good reports I've heard so far about Doogie Miller, Joshua Miller. Uh, he's also committed to Georgia, really strongly committed to Georgia. I love the line that Bo Hughley had for him when he was telling me about what he knows about uh, Joshua Miller. That's the recent Penn State slip, which he basically said, man, I like him. We can hang out. I, you know, I can hang out with anybody, Jeff. But, man, that guy's mean. He's really mean. <laughs> and when, you, when you've got a contemporary offensive lineman calling another guy really mean, uh, that, that's that's good news. That's kind of like the type of stuff that most people would be here for. And then you wonder about the U. You know, Miami just locked up the nation's number one offensive tackle this past week in Francis Mauga out of ING Academy. So, you know, there you go with Miami getting their, their pristine five-star. And it seems like, Brennan, their NIL coffers are flush these days, kind of like the, the sands of South Beach right now. So with Georgia, I think offensive line is always going to be a bedrock of the program. Uh, they just still, Brandon, you think about names like Chad Lindbergh still there. You think about names like Devin Willick and Xavier Trucks and, you know, me throw Ernest Green the third in there as well. You got Austin Blasky, Dylan Fairchild, Jared Wilson, yeah. Brandon. You know, everybody's, everybody's wondering about that room, but those names I just mentioned right there, Brandon, those are the 2023 guys, not just the 2022 guys, uh, for, for Stacey's room, Coach Cyril's room at Georgia. And it's a problem now, not a problem where, People are wondering about the 2023 OLs because literally, I think even Kelton Smith had it right when he said, man, I want to play right away. I want to go somewhere I can play right away. He said, I can, they're telling me at LSU I can play right away. They're telling me at Texas A&M I can play right away. But he's like, at least I want to get on the field by my sophomore year at Georgia. So even he understands that Georgia's loaded at offensive line still, and yet he still has them on top for a lot of more reasons besides an easy path to playing time. Let's be candid about this, Jeff. It's never as easy to get folks interested in 2024 commitments as it is to get folks interested in commits for the current cycle. Anything more than a year away just sometimes kind of sort of goes in one ear and out the other with some of our audience. That's just being honest here for a moment. But in the case of Landon Thomas, in the case of NICAR, Jeff, these are very impressive prospects. You know, Carr is an example of the kind of sort of top 10 receiver, you know, easy top 100 recruit you know 60th something rank whatever he is uh this is the example of the kind of receiver georgia has not been getting and he seems to really like uga your story earlier this week certainly kind of laid out all of that thomas is obviously the exact kind of tight end that todd harley always seems to be winning with you know i know this is more than a year before these guys get here but these were massive recruiting wins for Georgia this week. I don't think it can be overstated just how big it was to go down there to Moultrie and bring both these folks back to Georgia. Brandon, I'm going to say two things that hopefully maybe we can get this as a, a segment with one day with a with a 
folks uh, zoom in on Brandon as I say this, one of those eyebrow-raising takes right here, Brandon. Number one, I think when we look back at the month of July, which is going to be a ginormous month for recruiting for Georgia, I'm going to say when you look back and you rank the top, I don't say, I want to say eight commitments that Georgia might get in the month of July, I think that both Nykar and Landon Thomas will go into that mix of the top eight. That's mm. how stinking good they are. Yeah, I and I know you're, 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 you're very professorial when you say, man, folks aren't going to get excited about no 2024s. Probably need to, you know, stay off the brakes with these 2024s because not only are they teammates, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my reporter life. Brandon, Nykar wanted to be a bulldog so stinking bad that he didn't wait on an edit. He didn't wait on a video. Yeah. All he did was tweet out and say, I'm committed to the University of Georgia. I'm home. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you listening. Brandon, that never happens anymore. Do you understand how that never happens yeah. anymore? The young man just tweets it out. No ceremony, no hat, no video, no edit, no nothing. And that's the kind of players, it's that down south Georgia boy mentality that everybody loves to see. And I got one more for you, Brandon. I want I want you to sit here and think about the class of 2024, and if this doesn't get your if this doesn't get your jalapeno peppers popping, I don't know what will. Right in there, you know, right now, and some of it's early because Georgia gets evaluated more because there's so many recruiting analysts in the state of Georgia, but there are currently 23 prospects. I believe I had that right. 18, I think it's 18. There are 18 prospects, Brandon in the state of Georgia that are part of the nation's top 133 players. 18 of those are from the state of Georgia. Brandon, that's almost one-sixth of the entire country's top 133. Those guys are from the state of Georgia. And I'm going to say this. Georgia currently has two. I think they get at least five more out of those 18. That's how strong, that's how stout the Peach State is going to be with dog love i feel like right now in the class of 2024 and so for some context on that that's far more than the class of 2023 right i mean uh the class of i'm not disparaging the players of course but the class of 2023 in comparison to how deep georgia sometimes is the state of georgia sometimes is probably a little less so this year it it sounds like in 2024 that's definitely a much different scenario where maybe the state of georgia is as deep as it has been so it sounds like the overall depth of talent in our state for the, for the class of 2024 maybe a little heftier than it currently is for the current cycle. Is that a fair read on that situation? Yeah, Brandon, it's kind of funny. You know, I've, I've been doing this a lot of years now, and I look at all these players in 2024 and I see how highly they're rated. And part of me just has to just, just kind of be real with folks because I think of the 2017 players in the state of Georgia. I think of the 2019 players in the state of Georgia. And I go, hold on. Those, these boys right here, they're not as good as those, that, that group of 2017s, 2019s, and everything like that in the state. That said, they're pretty good. They're really good. And, Brandon, to answer your question, 10 point here, I think a great year for the state of Georgia to ha- would be to have 10, 12 out of the nation's top 133 um, and much less 18 right now and two already committed. I mean, Brendan, there's some sites that have Nykar as the nation's number 34 overall yep. prospect. He yep. goes all the way up to 66. Let me give you a little tease of what's coming today on DogNation.com. Nykar is a guy, and, and you'll love this, Brendan, because I know you look at receivers and you go six feet. Uh, you know, I want that. I want that go get them guy. Um, 
Now he's explosive. He's going to stretch the vertical. He's going to stretch to take the top off the defense, make people respect the run game. But when you see that car, Brandon, he looks like, you remember those old Mr. Potato Head things where you can take the arms off and put the arms back on and you can kind of switch in and switch out? Yeah. That car, man, looks like somebody put a six foot three or six foot four dude's arms on a six foot slot receiver's body. His hands are gigantic. Uh, he's a slot receiver that looks like he's got go-go gadget arms, if you want to say it that way. Uh, very impressive with the speed burner and the speed burst, but he's got arms that can go get it. But I thought it was very fitting that, you know, Landon Thomas couldn't wait two days afterwards. At least he got his edit. And this is the number one tight end in the country. This is a five-star. And those two guys are so different. You learn the stories about Nycar and Brandon. Nycar is like that pit boss, that grill master, that guy that can do anything you want on the grill. Whereas Landon Thomas, man, I don't know if he could make some cereal. These two guys are so different in terms of what they bring to the table off the field. But they're great friends. They want to play together at Georgia. And Nycar, man, was not kidding when he said, there's some other guys that want to come home, and they might come home real soon as well. In the class of 2024, you want to talk about, I mean, let's face it, Brandon, every year Georgia's going to be one, two, or three in recruiting. That's just the way Kirby Smart does it. But there's a lot of guys in the state of Georgia where Georgia's really going to have to do that teeter-totter about out-of-state national recruit versus homegrown talent. Okay, so along those lines, and I got a lot of stuff I want to cover with you. So let me just get one more thing quickly on this, then we'll then we'll move on. When you think about adding playmakers to class of twenty twenty four, your mind quickly goes to, well, I wonder what quarterback might be throwing to them. So with that in mind, do you think Julian Sayan, the young man out of California right now, is probably ahead of Jaden Davis, the young man out of North Carolina, when it comes to being the consideration of the class of twenty twenty four? And if it is saying over Davis, how much do you think a guy like saying could be a swaying? Pardon me for that. Uh, by the fact that uh, Georgia got these uh, big time playmakers into the mix here ahead of what might be eventual quarterback commitment. Yeah, did you did you just go saying could be swaying towards the G? Did you just say yeah, that, Brandon? I, I wish I hadn't. <laughs> if I, I could, if no, I could no, go back in time and have and have not said that, I probably would. Well, you know, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna allow it just because everybody else goes with the clear uh, check down. Just saying, yeah, right. When right, they're right. trying to make their dad jokes around it, but at least right. you had a little bit of a little bit of wit to what you're trying to say right there. And you know, Brandon, um, he's a guy that I feel like you know when you look at saying, you got to remember just one year as a high school starter, one year in a system. He's already very shrewd, Brandon, at these off-platform throws, these off-arm angles, the way he can get rid of the ball. It looks like there's a lot of – and then this is what we've seen from California quarterbacks for a lot of years now. A lot of Aaron Rodgers' influence to his game. He's very accurate. I like the way he moves around in the pocket. And for all pretenses, Brandon, he told me right after the Arch Manning news, because that was one of the first calls I made after the Arch Manning news, kind of where does Georgia go from here. And this would be a guy that if you get him in the class in July, August, September-ish, then that's a guy that can act as your de facto five-star quarterback recruiter with two classes, actually, because they know that they'd be a five-star quarterback there throwing to them a marquee guy. Every receiver wants to play with a five-star quarterback. Uh, they want to play with a great five-star quarterback. So he's a guy that really found it – was pretty honest, Brandon. He said, man, I, I was going to make my decision around October. I'm probably going to have to move it up now. And, you know, kind of the industry thinks right now that uh, Julian saying might make a decision August-ish. 
right there. So that's a guy, should that go George's way, I think that would be a centerpiece. You can build a lot of things around in terms of the Georgia class for 2024 and 2023. Uh, accuracy, Brandon, what we what do we say all the time? If you're not accurate in high school, nobody's going to fix you in college. Yeah. There's no way to overhaul the delivery. you got to be accurate. That's one of the things that, you know, quarterbacks, it's got to come in though. It's got to come in their wheelhouse, how they're very accurate, much less picking up the system, you know, throwing in, throwing the ball into tight SEC windows. And, you know, this is a guy, Brandon, he was already very comfortable with Georgia, uh, even prior to the Arch Manning news. And he told me, matter of factly, that he's smart enough that he believes in his own abilities as a competitor, but he probably wasn't going to follow wherever Arch went. And he was a guy, Brandon, was also looking at Georgia and Texas. So maybe the long game there is Arch goes to Texas and maybe Georgia gets the five-star in 2024 uh, as a cause and effect out of that recruitment. All right, if I'm not careful, this show is going to be longer than the, than the Batman was. So let me see if I can uh, move a little <laughs> faster here. We can do these uh, rapid fire here for a moment. Jalen Hale, good-looking wide receiver, has got a top three. Georgia's in it. Is this anything to take seriously? Do you think that Georgia has a real chance of winning with Jalen Hale, Jeff? Uh, you don't like you don't like silver medal talk, right? I think I think his best visit was Georgia. I think he's got a lot of camaraderie amongst the guys that he took that official visit weekend. But then we're going to look back on that first weekend in June and how Kirby likes to go first and Georgia likes to set the bar with all these officials. Uh, we're going to look back at that and wonder if it was it was as successful as the first weekend of June for the 2022 class. I, I think there's Jalen. They're staying at home. There's the fact that uh, Arch is now at Texas, and he's stacking up some receivers as well. I think ultimately that would be a Georgia-Texas battle. And I want a two-second answer with you without even thinking. If, if, you, if you would have had to choose uh, Jalen Hale to Georgia and, and you don't get Arch Manning, I, would you take a win with that, or would you feel like that's probably when you lost Manning to Texas? you probably weren't going to get Jalen Hale to Georgia. Yeah, I assume that the aftermath of Manning choosing Texas was going to probably hurt Georgia with some receivers, and Hale's probably as good an example of that as probably any for me. Yeah, the thing that's interesting about Hakeem Williams and also uh, specifically Tyler Williams in South Florida, I don't know if you saw the tweet from his mother. I did. Uh, I did. Over the last week. Maybe you've spotlighted it on your quality program. I hope you did, but. We had it on hedges because she basically made the pretenses like, listen, we're not going to no high spitter. We're going to go where we have to get work and get developed because that's the way we do things here, uh, which was basically a sign that said, uh, NIL, don't play that here uh, for that family and that household. There's more important things with that recruitment. And even Tyler told me prior to the Arch Manning decision that he's just going to go wherever he goes. He knows there's going to be a great college quarterback there where he can get to the NFL. So that he, Tyler Williams – the type of recruit Georgia wanted to be in with because his decision wasn't um, connected and really meshed in together with Arch Manning's decision. All right, it's one more. Troy Bowles, linebacker, puts Georgia in his top three. This is obviously one that I think a lot of Georgia fans have a good bit of confidence about, and obviously a lot of Georgia fans really like Bowles as a player there as well. Any reason for you to throw water on, I think what a lot of Georgia fans feel pretty good about, uh, the chance that Bowles might end up being a dog? Yeah, so there's there's really uh, it's always been kind of like Hale. Hale had always had Georgia really high. Moles um, had always had Georgia really high. I think Oklahoma has made things interesting between Georgia and Ohio State. Brandon, this is you know everybody's saying fill up Todd Hartley's brand new pool with money, uh, with with all the money he wants and sign him to whatever he wants because how adept he is at tight end recruiting. 
probably the way Glenn Schumann has been with linebackers, Brandon. Uh, like I said, throughout my years of covering the dogs as intensely as I have, if he is able to end up with uh, a Raven Wilson, a TJ Allen, and then a, uh, then a Troy Bowles, that's kind of the best uh, three-pack of linebackers oh, yeah. he's ever brought in in one class. Oh, yeah. And everybody's going to go, hold on, Jeff, wait a minute. But uh, Coy Walker was a 2018 signee, uh, and then Channing Tindall. Channing Tindall was also a 2018 signee, whereas uh, N'Kobe Dean was a 2019. For, but for him, basically, Brandon, he's really only had five names. You could include Puff Howard in there. You could include Tony Rojas in there. But those are really the sample size that Schumann has had for linebackers in 2023. And if he's able to, to stack a bowl, Brandon, if you ever just get through the show and you feel like you need a pep, you need something, something to get fired up on a Friday about, go to huddle, huddle.com. Go to Troy Bowles Huddle right now. <laughs> Watch the first three minutes, uh, two minutes of that. Cause you remember those old days, those old movies where you're watching the program, that movie's on my mind because of the loss of James Conn this no week. But no you, you watch these Hollywoodish movies any given Sunday, Fast Times at Richmond High, where they have this linebacker just destroying folks, which looks like an NFL crunch course VHS tape from the 80s. Man, Bowles' tape is full of that, man. Just a bowling ball one after the other. And it's kind of the part where you go, you know, he's the son of an NFL defensive coordinator and NFL head coach now. Man, he's acting like he ain't got no sense because he's just throwing that. He is just destroying and demolishing folks yeah. around this tape where you're looking like, was this staged? Because it is a fun popcorn-grabbing uh, highlight video to watch. I thought it was really cool. He took some pictures at Georgia holding a bat, holding that same Richard McCount hit stick yeah. from days going by. He's got an it's axe in his, in, his, uh, in his top three edit from, uh, from Hayes Fawcett. He's got an axe in his hand. Like, like That's scary. I mean, <laughs> that's serious business and, right and, there. Brandon, this is a chase linebacker. This is a field linebacker. This is a come-off-the-edge linebacker. He's a guy that's going to check all the boxes you want in terms of linebackers. What Georgia did a year ago, they finally figured out that, hey, if we just leave Quay, Channing, and Nicobe on the field, they can do whatever Dan Lanning or Glenn Schumann dials up in the defense because they're so versatile. They're hitters. They're physical. They can cover. They can blitz. And when you leave those guys out there, it keeps Georgia pretty salty, whether whatever the offense wants to throw at them. And, Bowles and Wilson and C.J. Allen. I mean, it's kind of funny, Brennan. On the slide, C.J. Allen has gotten the least ink or the least amount of stars for the longest time. But when when I get through looking at all these linebackers and say all three of these guys come to Georgia, man, it's going to be really hard for folks to figure out whether they want the 10-9-1 or they want the yeah. 11-1 or they want the guy that's the son of an NFL head coach. And, Brandon, if there's one thing, we keep worrying about receivers until 2037 with the Georgia football recruiting shows. But linebackers and Georgia and defense, that's the type of guy, a defensive-minded NFL head coach. Georgia just sets up really well for Troy Bowles in a lot of areas. I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go. Before we do that, i got to remind folks this is On the Road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel right now. And speaking of being on the road, a lot of you are this time of year. And when you are, obviously you want that great auto protection for your vehicle. And that's where AAA can step in with some big-time savings for you because when you switch your auto insurance to AAA, you could save on average $472 in the state of Georgia. So, dog fans, 
Get that auto insurance from our friends at AAA, and you could be a big-time saver of some big-time money. You can call 833-718-2075 for more on that. That's 833-718-2075. Of course, subject uh, coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, and subject to underwriting requirements. Insurance underwritten by uh, member select insurance company and non-affiliated insurance companies. All right, Jeff, let's do this very quickly before we uh, say goodbye to you here today. You know, Sadir Mitchell commits to Texas pretty quickly. You know, Shanahan, as we said before, kind of maybe leaning towards Texas A&M. There are a lot of fans that are asking the question. I think it's a fair question to ask how much Georgia is being hurt right now by programs more aggressive on the NIL front. Maybe Antoine Jackson in Miami, an example of this, too. How much do you think the Georgia recruiting efforts are being impeded by the fact that Georgia's probably not as aggressive on the front end with NIL as some other programs are? I'm going to say this. I think staying the course, uh, it seems Nick Saban in Alabama, and even even Georgia and Kirby Smart have their own way of doing things, Brandon. They'd rather, record, they'd rather reward and enhance and, and, and induce the guys that are already on the program that are already making plays, that have earned their way to the top, they want to incentivize those guys rather than bringing guys in that may not fit, may not be a culture fit, and may not, maybe not want to work as hard as Georgia works. I think with young people, here's what's something that the NIL, this stuff's fascinating, Brandon, but the one thing you don't know is how these young men will be. Some of them come from very humble roots. How they will be if they have six figures in their bank account or if they have nine figures in their bank account. You don't know how hard they will work. You don't know how determined they are. There's all kinds of things with team chemistry and locker room to worry about right there. Georgia is deciding to build their program differently, the same as Alabama. They don't feel they have to buy culture and buy interest, uh, maybe that some other programs are trying to do. Those programs, Brandon, I'm going to say this. The state of Texas is going to be the 50-yard line for NIL because you have Texas wanting to win so badly. And you have Texas A&M wanting to win so badly. And when those guys get in the same conference and they are going after the same players and they start playing each other every year, I think it will be blank check city in terms of what's going to happen in that state with NIL deals until some enforcement or some legislation or some parameters get around that. I think it's going to be an arms race between those two programs specifically in terms of, well, the other guy's spending, so we got to spend. I mean, it would be a situation in Georgia where if, if, if Alabama decided to go heavy all in on the front side of, of NIL, then Georgia would have to bring up their own countermeasures to do so because that's a program. I still think Georgia's a little behind Alabama in terms of national reputation and overall historical sense. But with Georgia and Alabama, you see them in a match race from 2022 on. I think those two teams, those two teams are closely bunched together. Um, but I don't think Georgia feels the need. It has to do those sort of things yet because they've built the program. They've got the NFL development. They've got the trophy case now. And I think that's the reason why Georgia is not doing the things that other schools are doing because they're not chasing the players. The players are coming to them regardless. Jeff, I think that's really interesting stuff. And we'll obviously, I'm sure, talk plenty more about this in the time to come. So thanks for being here today on the road assisted by AAA. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll look forward to reading plenty from you at dognation.com over the course of the weekend there as well. And talk to you back here on our program again very soon, too. Brad, let me give you some quick facts. While we were chatting, I went and looked up Georgia's players on the top 24-7 over the last three or four cycles. Uh, the average number of players that the state of Georgia has among the nation's top 130 prospects 
is usually about 11, 12, 13. This time for 2024, they're at 18. Wow. So it's about five or six more players than the norm. How about research on the fly from Jeff Sintel? What a great way to close this out. Thanks for being here, Jeff. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. See you, man. Everybody have a great weekend. You too. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Uh, obviously a part of a topic that we're going to keep talking about a lot, and we'll keep trying to figure it out. Another SEC coach is going to speaking out on this too. We'll let you hear what he had to say coming up in a moment as we go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. By the way, speaking of Royal Caribbean, man, what an awesome time it is that we had back on our own Royal Caribbean cruise, our first ever Dog Nation cruise back in April, and you know, listen, it just gets me thinking about how much fun I'd be having right now if I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, enjoying the beautiful weather. You know, it's it, like in the summertime, it's just kind of nice to be in the Caribbean and kind of get those sea breezes blowing. And, you know, listen, I just love to be there. A lot of you like to go, uh, you know, uh, Alaska this time of year, too. You had some cool, you know, Alaskan type cruises or European cruises with Royal Caribbean, whatever else. But for me, I'm just kind of a simple person. I, I like the, I like the Caribbean itinerary. I like being at Perfect Day Coco Cay, that beautiful private island right there in the Bahamas where you can take advantage of the thrill side. Tallest water slide in North America. You can take advantage of the chill slide. Chill side, I should say. Largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. And whichever side you kind of gravitate to, if you're on Perfect Day Coco Cay, you realize why this private island oasis right there in the Bahamas really sets apart Royal Caribbean from anybody else kind of competing in this space. No one does it quite like Royal Caribbean does. That's true when you get off and go to the ports, but that's true when you're on the ships there too. So many fun things to enjoy bars specialty restaurants you know cool entertainment options and royal caribbean's got it all for you You can go ice skating on the cruise ship how amazing is that uh our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can get you hooked up here uh you can find them online tcava.com that's the website tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 and you can find out about which option suits you best for your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation today. I am looking forward to some big things with the Royal Caribbean here in 2023, including my own cruise coming up uh, shortly after the season is done. So uh, that'll be for then. But uh, for now, still time for you to get involved with your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I hope you will do just that. So let's talk Florida Gators here for a moment. They got some interesting recruiting news yesterday. And I saw some people kind of making fun of this. But then the truth is I'm probably not going to make fun of this for a reason I'll explain to you. So Florida picked up two you know, sort of decent-sized commits yesterday. Uh, Marcus Stokes, a quarterback, they flip him away from uh, Penn State. And a Treyon Webb, a running back, you remember that I mean, seemingly like 100 years ago, Webb was, what, committed to Georgia, right? I mean, he must have been 10 years old when he was committed to Georgia because it feels like that was a long time ago. And he's still, you know, kind of just now moving into his uh, senior year. It's just kind of funny how long some of these guys have been in our lives. And some people kind of make fun of, you know, Florida. Obviously, we do that all the time here. On this particular case, I'm not going to make fun of Florida, though. Uh, Not saying this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened. But in the case of Webb here, you know, the, the running back, this is, or a guy that's likely to play running back, this is an example of a recruit who was maybe trending away from Florida for a while. You remember the other day when Billy Napier wrote the open letter to Gators fans, essentially trying to calm them down because they were so up in arms? One of the reasons why they were so up in arms is because Webb was at one point thought to be trending, I believe it was towards Penn State. So the fact that Florida actually steps back in, kind of wins him back over, wins the commitment of Webb, is actually kind of an example of, uh, of, of Florida doing a little better in recruiting. For a while, it seemed like Webb might not be going to the Gators. Now he is. So that's actually, you know, 
you know, relative to where Florida has been, probably a decent win for them. In the case of Stokes, you know, this is sort of a – I think he's ranked it within the top 247 from uh, 24-7 sports. So, it's you know, it's not an unheralded prospect necessarily, but it's probably not the kind of quarterback you can kind of build a class around necessarily. It's not the same thing as if they'd gotten the young man they were kind of fighting for the other day. They ended up going to Miami. This isn't nowhere near the same type of deal here, but it is a you know a four starish you know type player. It's it's really talent to have in the room. Not a center, you know sort of a centerpiece quarterback, probably not. But the 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 web news is probably a little bit bigger than it's maybe given credit for. Maybe an example of uh, Billy Napier stemming the negative tide at least just briefly there on that. I saw where college football guru Phil Steele was on. Uh, one of the sports shows on uh, 92.9 The Game, sports radio station in Atlanta. He gave out his uh, college football playoff. Of course, the Phil Steele magazine will be going to be on newsstands here pretty soon. And Steele, for the most part, kind of goes rubber stamp on this, at least a little bit. I believe these are the top four odds teams right now. We've told you before, it is very easy to put both Georgia, Alabama, along with Ohio State in the college football playoff. That's kind of what we're assuming is going to be the case here. Still has those three teams in his final four there as well. What we've said, though, is is there's a lot of mystery related to who that fourth team might be. Phil Steele going with Clemson. And it could very well be Clemson coming out of the ACC that gets back in the college football playoff. Of course, the Tigers had been in every playoff from, what, 2015 through 2020 before being knocked out of last year's playoff in large measure because they lost to Georgia in week one to uh, begin the season. And Steele's got them back in the playoff. And maybe that's the case. I'm not quite so sure on that. I still don't know who my fourth playoff team is going to be. I've got big questions for Clemson, the quarterback spot, at the offensive line spots, uh, when it comes to playmaking guys on offense in general. I'm still not quite so sure what Dabo is going to be doing on that side of the ball, now that there isn't a Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson in that program anymore. And you're going to be left to say, well, B.A., if it's not Clemson, who is your fourth playoff team? And I don't quite have a good answer to that as of yet. I think in terms of the national conversation, I think that Oklahoma may be a little undervalued right now. And that's not me saying that Oklahoma's going to be in the playoff. I'm not ready to do that. But when I think about Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, when I think about a little bit more defensive intensity being ushered in by the higher Brent Venables at head coach, when I think about the path through the Big 12, I have a little bit of interest right now in Oklahoma. I do. That's not me make, predicting them to make the playoff. But if I was looking at my fourth could I see Oklahoma getting there more so than Clemson? Maybe so. Maybe so there on that. I told you that uh, interesting comments from an SEC coach as it relates to NIL. It's Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And the background here is is that Louisville, the in-state rival to the Wildcats, has been pretty aggressive, a lot of folks think, when it comes to the, to the NIL stuff. Ruben Owens and some of the other sort of surprisingly high-profile commits they've gotten. That's not something that Louisville's typically done. So Louisville has been kind of thought to be a little bit of a player in the NIL space here a little bit. And Kentucky, kind of led by athletic director Mitch Barnhart, has been a lot more slow to embrace this. Well, that's maybe kind of changing now on the basis of some of the stuff that Mark Stoops has said publicly. I'm going to read you here a couple of comments from Stoops as reported by Tyler Thompson on uh, 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 Kentucky Sports Radio. So Stoops tells a bunch of boosters, I'm playing against players I know were given money, that the school and NCAA knows were given money, and we're still playing against them under the table, not even above the table like it is now. So basically he says, hey, you know, we've played against players who were cheating or whatever else. And then he makes this plea to folks about um, 
you know, NIL. He's, he says, we need people to understand it's legal and it's okay. Yes, we are behind, he says, when it comes to NIL. And yes, we need money and to set aside pre-marketing dollars for the future of the football program and all of our sports. This is basically talking to business owners there in the state of Kentucky and in Lexington. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of people in Kentucky who bleed blue, man. They want to see Big Blue Nation succeed. But these are also challenging economic times. I mean, imagine this. Imagine you are a restaurant owner in Lexington and you hear this from your football coach, Mark Stoops. I need you to set aside marketing dollars to give to football players. Well, guess what? If you're, I'm just using as an example, if you're a restaurant owner, imagine what your supply chain's been like. You know, your ability to get kind of fresh food to serve in your restaurant. Imagine what your staffing issues have been, getting people to show up to work, you know, getting people to, to, to sort of maintain their status as employees for you. You know, imagine, you know, what it's like when you have to keep raising your prices to meet the, the demands of runaway inflation that, that, you know, seemingly has no end in sight. All of a sudden, Mark Stoop says, hey, I need you to dig deep and start giving to some of my football players. I mean, as I've told you before, if I'm a business owner in Kentucky trying to make men's, you make ends meet, I may look at Mark Stoop and say, hey, you make millions of dollars. Why don't you pay these players? Because I'm struggling to pay uh, my you know, my rent payment, I'm struggling to just turn any kind of profit whatsoever. All of a sudden now you've coming to me with this sort of crisis you have about keeping up with Louisville or whatever else you're competing with. Maybe you ought to pay these guys. Uh, I mean, I just don't know how receptive businesses are going to be right now. And, you know, listen, if so-and-so programs got so-and-so, you know, booster, you know, John Ruiz, Miami or oil dude, you know, you know, tax, tax A&M, if they're just made of money right now, um, you know, then by all means have at it but if i'm a business owner and times for businesses are as tough as they've been i mean they were you know forced to shut down for however long you know go back a couple of years ago uh still trying to you know come out from underneath that all of a sudden mark stoop says hey i need some of that money out of your uh business account i just don't know how receptive certain businesses are going to be to all that in the current climate that we're in and by the way let's see what happens to nil when all you've really got is the same handful of very rich people essentially just bidding against themselves for certain player services. But, but you know, I get that Stoops feels like he's behind. A lot of coaches probably feel the same way. But listen, I, I don't know how much some of the local businesses and some of these places are going to be able to help you just given the, the, the very real challenge a lot of these businesses are facing right now. That is just a very, very real topic here at the moment. Final thing here <laughs> for our cruise around the SEC for what's turned into a very long show. I saw where Keelan Robinson, former Alabama running back now at Texas, by the way, Robinson's kind of an interesting figure in that early season game between the Longhorns and the Crimson Tide because of the fact that he played on one side and now he's playing for the other. Uh, that's kind of interesting. But also, I guess the national championship ring and some other memorabilia, I think, too, associated with Robinson showed up on a recent episode of Pawn Stars. And I believe the title ring. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, I don't know why it's more than one ring. Maybe somebody else can explain that more so than me. Maybe it's also some of the other rings there, too. But it sold. Is it right for $60,000? Is that what it sold for? Forty. So it ended up selling for $40,000. And I kind of get this, I guess. I mean, if, if you're not that excited about being uh, uh, you know, at Alabama anymore, now you're at Texas. Maybe, maybe you don't care about these rings anymore. This could be, though, an interesting opportunity. If you're a fan and you want like real authentic memorabilia, and sometimes in college sports, that's been kind of hard to get uh, because there's not always a lot of that out there. Um, but in a day and age in which you're going to have a lot more guys transferring, and if you want a national championship in one place and you transfer somewhere else, 
I mean, maybe you will. If you have a chance to make 40 grand on a ring, maybe you will sell it. And maybe for a lot of folks who have a little bit deeper pockets, listen, here's what I know. If one person's selling a ring, they're getting 40 grand for it. If 100 players are selling a ring, that ring's not $40,000 anymore. The price has come down a little bit. So in the future, if you're a big-time collector who loves your favorite college team, obviously most of the folks here cheering for the Georgia Bulldogs, in the near future, because of the transfer portal, you know, because of the ability to sort of sell this stuff in the NIL space and you know collect the money on it, something that guys like A.J. Green were once not allowed to do, Todd Gurley selling his autograph, I mean, you may have a chance to get your hands on a lot more authentic memorabilia from college football and it could be for a lot more economic price than you could have ever imagined. That could be a fun thing for fans in the years to come. If more guys do what Robinson's doing now with the prevalence of the transfer portal, I think you're left to assume that a lot of those guys probably will do that. So uh, worth considering we'll make that. Cruise run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I'll also say this very, very fast. I also know there was that rumor that came out yesterday from the blog known as Swim Swam, which I guess is a swimming website, about some – very very surprising names being negotiated with the sec uh virginia uh north carolina florida state uh clemson i don't think anybody's really taking that all that seriously most of the big blue checks were pretty quick to sort of jump out there and you know make a very big show peacocking their way around how untrue they felt like that was i don't have any reason to to think they're wrong though i don't think that rumor was probably true but it's always interesting <laughs> how the blue uh blue checks sort of line up uh when they feel like they've been threatened and swim swam was apparently threatening to them yesterday but it's probably also not true so i guess maybe i shouldn't be too critical of them but that was out there uh, but we didn't really mention it during the sec through because i don't think there's much to that but let me tell you what there is something to that's the finished long drink uh part of the uh big dog nation duck hunt tailgate with us coming up here pretty soon and a big part of what we do each and every week here at dog nation daily as well and as you're heading towards a great summer weekend and i hope you are having fun going fishing or swimming or playing golf or i don't know whatever else you're doing sit on the back porch grilling out listen to some music take the finished long drink with you and you'll have an even better time because it's a ready to drink cocktail right there in a can you like mixed drinks you don't have to mix this one it's already mixed for you just pop the top and enjoy it or pour it into a glass whatever you want to do you can pick up one of those eight can variety packs get two different cans of each of the four finished long drink varieties whether it's the cranberry or the long drink strong or the long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar by the way long drink traditional it's a grapefruit flavor to go along with the gin kick it's just good stuff so make sure you enjoy it today, the finished long drink. If you want to find out where you can pick some up, go to thelongdrink.com, and you can find out uh, where that is, thelongdrink.com, and you can pick up some finished long drink to enjoy there today. All right, we got a good number of golden shoes to give out, so let's make a long show longer by uh, rolling through some of these, and I'll let our producer, Michael Carvel, kind of throw these up in whatever order you would like. A lot of folks obviously having a really good time. So the new Florida uh, quarterback commit, Marcus Stokes, is nicknamed the Joker for whatever reason. And so uh, our buddy Mad Dog says the Gators' future quarterback is the clown prince of crime. And he sees the uh, Heath Ledger version of the Joker uh, holding up some uh, Florida cards there. My, Mad Dog is a very good Photoshopper. He really is very talented. Uh, this is very good. as kind of a slight mockery of the new Florida quarterback commit. So good stuff from Mad Dog there. Next golden shoe. We'll give that out here there too. Um, so 
our buddy Austin Kilby sent this to me, uh, and he said, you know, this is the same uh, sort of video we showed the other day. Austin Kilby sent that to me as kind of an example of what the Florida program is. He says, yeah, this is the current state of uh, Florida's program, and I believe Austin's probably right about that. That's pretty good stuff. And by the way, speaking of videos making fun of Florida, uh, uh, Smart One also sent this to me on Twitter there as well. Ella Dorsey, the uh, terrific uh, meteorologist there for CBS 46 in Atlanta, <laughs> she had a funny tweet the other day. Somebody sent this to her. So here's a uh, alligator in Myrtle Beach. By the way, y'all be careful of these alligators, man. They've been acting crazy this summer. Uh, there have been some awful stories out there about this. But here's a um, alligator in Myrtle Beach running with a football. And Rob Hughes says this gator was spotted with a football in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but not an end zone in sight. Uh, and so Ella Dorsey says, looks like another sub 500 season for me for those Gators. And that's pretty funny stuff from Ella Dorsey there from CBS 46. Uh, somebody sent that one to me, smart, uh, smart one. Uh, uh, sent that to me there as well. And how about Kathy McCarthy, uh, or I should say, uh, uh, Kathy Weinhart sent this to me. So excited that I just bought my tickets for the Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate. Uh, now, Amanda Weinhardt is old enough to partake, so good for Amanda there on that. It's going to be my first Dog Nation daily event. Glad I get to enjoy it with my daughter and best friend. September 3rd, cannot come here soon enough. Kathy, we're certainly glad you and Amanda are going to be there on board with all of that. For that, going to be a great Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate. And there is still some time to get in and be with there with Kathy and Amanda and everybody else. Uh, DogNation.com to get your tickets for Dog Nation Duck Hunt. Big thanks to Kroger, R.S. Andrews, Long Drink, uh, 7-6 Apparel, and Merriweather and Tharp for making it all possible. Let me also quickly say, uh, lousy, stinking Gators, long national title drop for them. They have no celebrations coming up. How about 4,929 days since they have won anything of note, including a national championship? And 113 days from right now, Georgia beats up on them again. So make sure you uh, check that out. Dog Nation Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. And I got a good one here from Jason Heldreth on today's topic related to Todd Hartley and the success he's had bringing in tight ends. And what Jason points out, and this is very accurate, is that Coach Hartley is the best tight end coach in the nation, but if Todd Munkin wasn't using the tight ends with his play calling, then we wouldn't be getting the tight ends that we are. Team effort at UGA, go dogs. I think that's exactly right. I think that Todd Hartley is a terrific position coach. He's had unprecedented success at the position, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But some of this is also related to um, how Todd Munkin has used the tight ends. He is obviously the play caller, and Listen, this is where I think you're probably over, you know, my head in terms of, you know, how these offensive game plans are designed necessarily. But we can see the results and we can certainly make some some assumptions that getting tight ends involved in offenses must not necessarily be the easiest thing to do because prior to Todd Munkin being here, you know, Georgia was continually seemingly ineffectively using what also looked like a pretty deep of tight ends at the time. Now, Obviously, compared to what Georgia has now, it wasn't as deep then as it is now. But nonetheless, we've seen you know former five stars like Isaac Nada, ill-used here at UGA. A guy like Charlie Werner, who would go on to the NFL, ill-used while at UGA. Other examples of that, too, where good tight ends just weren't getting involved. In fact, one of the most common things that used to pop up in a lot of our comment sections, portions of shows like this from Georgia fans in the past was, why isn't Georgia using the tight end more? It got to be one of those kind of tiring questions that Kirby Smart got pretty snarky about 
in certain press conferences in certain years because he was just so tired of answering that question. Like imagine how long ago that seems, and from a number of years standpoint, it actually wasn't that deep into the past. But imagine how long ago that would seem that Kirby Smart would be facing tough questions about using tight ends when now, you know, the tight end usage is just so prolific across the board. And Todd Munkin does deserve a lot of credit for that. My assumption here is is that a smart offensive coordinator wins a lot of his battles pre-snap, whether it be motion or how you're aligning players, whatever else, and that creates opportunities for tight ends to do more than just run stick routes, you know, run five yards down the field and turn around and just be kind of an outlet valve safety option, but to actually run a little bit more sophisticated route tree, to be a little bit more, um, you know, just more exciting component to the offense. And I do think that Hart, that, that Munkin deserves some of the credit for that. I'm glad that, that uh, Jason, the uh, commenter on Twitter, mentioned that. So good stuff there. Hope you all have a great weekend. If your water heater goes out, though, you are not set for a great weekend. That's why you want to act right now and reach out to our friends at RS Andrews, because in many cases, RS Andrews can replace that water heater for you the same day. So make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com for a lot more on that. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will look forward to talking to you then.